Welcome back to episode 32 of the Top Loaded podcast. And everyone watching along is going to get confused during this episode because I'm already confused because I'm joined by two Harrys. So first Harry I'm going to introduce is the Harry that's here every week. So Harry, HJA Harry, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Ronnie, mate. A uh, bit apprehensive out of the game tomorrow, but uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very well. Thank you, mate. Yeah, I think that's a perfect time to record the Friday, the day before North London Derby, because people might not hear from you for about three weeks. So that's fair enough. But I'm very happy to reintroduce someone who was on 30 episodes ago, all the way back on 22nd of February. And a lot has changed since then. And you guessed it, it's another Harry, but it's Harry from Big H Trading Co. How are you doing, Harry? I'm doing well, thanks, Ron. How are you, mate? I can't complain, but like I was saying, it's been... Just over seven months since that you was on the podcast Absolutely. the first time. Uh, we could probably say what has changed, but the world has changed quite a lot. The hobbies changed quite a lot. So the first question is, how's business? Overall, it's not bad. It's um, it's certainly erratic. You know, you're having to navigate a lot of things since since we last spoke. Obviously. You've uh, recorded 30 episodes, so congratulations to you and taking on Harry as well. It was a very good acquisition to have. So well done to the pair of you. Uh, from my point of view, obviously, European conflict has broken out. Uh, cost of living crisis has come into play. The pound to the dollar has, you know, plummeted. But, uh, yeah, it's a good test of, um, test of resilience, that's for sure. Rolling with the punches. Definitely. I think we could make probably a massive book on the differences with somehow so much happened in seven months it's been crazy like you say not just all the problems going on with the world it's economy and everything in between it but the actual hobbies changed quite a lot and when we spoke before we one of our closing points was like what products do you think could be interesting within the next six seven months and how many products are you now stocking different types of products as i last checked it was 155 different product lines and variations of those lines. Um, I'm pleased to say, though, since we last spoke, a big factor was that uh, tickets were were, tick- were, um, were kicking off. You know, people wanted to grade or just store their tickets, and that was new to me. I don't collect. Well, I, I think that's a lie. I do collect tickets. You know, from you know nostalgia of football games I've been to, but I certainly have never considered grading or storing them professionally. And uh, that was a huge request, which fortunately I have the answers to in uh, in the form of uh, the top loader and the semi-rigid. So that's, that was a good step. Yeah. All right. I think I actually remember, I don't know if it was off air actually on the podcast when I said to you, do, do you have anything for tickets? I remember you saying, I potentially could, but who knows? Because it's very scarce, some of the items that you get in and especially with everything going on. And, in France as well, America take up a lot of the supply. So, was it all? Is it always been a challenge trying to get them new products, especially with especially now like MGC, for example, grading tickets that there's now a bit more of a focus on people protecting their tickets and waiting to send them off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I live off the wholesale market. You know, I don't buy anything myself directly from the Chinese. I rely on wholesalers, both internationally and domestically, for the stocks that I I keep here. Um, unfortunately, the the bigger names, which I won't say, but the US-owned companies that are, you know, the big boys that you see everywhere, 
obviously the US market will always get priority. They're US registered companies, that's fair enough. So we already live off the scraps of their excess. Um, and with the growth of the hobby, because I still maintain that the hobby growth has still not been caught up with even two to three years onwards. Um, you've got trends that change. So you try to keep up with that. But even just the, the basic supplies are really, really hard to, to keep up with. I see a lot of guys now have obviously had enough of it and um, do now buy their own branded supplies from the Chinese, which is I've got a massive respect for because you're a braver man than I am, especially in these times. I would never do that. And even still, I'm glad to see they're doing well and um, I want them to continue to do well because, you know, the, the hobby scene here in the UK needs more people like that, needs more accessibility. But um, but we are still not not quite there. Oh, definitely. I think we're going to get onto shows and stuff later on. But I've always, I think whenever I speak to a collector, they're always at one point saying, oh, I'm running low on team bags or running low on top loaders. Or the one I'm always running low on is mags. I, I just go through it. What it is, I have such a threshold. I'm like, oh, that's a nice card. I'll stick it in the mag. But then, yeah, again, it's getting the supply. Because I remember when we spoke last time of, it was a case of even mags and top loaders. It was only just then about coming available because obviously there were so many people wanting them. So I'm not really saying your bread or butter is, but is it still like your tops, uh, your top loaders, your mags, penny sleeves, team? Are they still like the fundamental ones that you're getting in and out the door? Yeah, absolutely. They, they I'll bring them in every one to two weeks and turn them over quite quickly. Um, obviously, they they're quite a perishable item. And I think a lot of people, myself included, like, I don't know about you, if I get a card that I bought off eBay in the post and it comes in a top loader that looks well used, the first thing I do is get it out, re-sleeve and re-top load it. And I always feel bad doing it because obviously it's a plastic product which naturally is going to end up in the bin. But, um, you know, people take pride in their in their collections and they want to display it and they want it to look as clean as it possibly can be. So, yeah, it's still bread and butter. You still fly through them. Yeah, talking about that time, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and the worst thing is when you get it and they've got a bit of sellotape on the top loader, and that's actually a valid excuse to bin the top loader. Yeah. Obviously, not the best recyclable material, but like you say, you've got to really protect your investments. And we were saying about this before, about different mags, different this. how much do you still have to research like different products that you haven't seen before? Like Obviously, we was talking before about the ticket ones and having to learn about what different things are out there. So, is there any products that you've been researching about that you just find still crazy to this day? Yeah, I mean, so my way of researching will be when a new product comes out, naturally a lot of people will, will ask me, oh, what will I, I'm doing a break of this, what will I need for it? And I think I don't really buy boxes myself anymore. Occasionally I treat myself from time to time. But the way I do my research is um, I'll just join a break that's happening you know, on release day and then sort of gauge with the breaker and see naturally what comes out. And uh, you'll always you'll always find just when you think you know you know what's what the contents of these boxes are. There's always something to throw you off. I mean, tops with their new Inception product have decided to put booklets in, which are not a problem. However, it's a vertical booklet. I've never ever stocked and supplied a vertical booklet. And you know. You hit a booklet, you are going to want a maggot because the chances are it's got a couple of really cool autos on it and probably worth you know a considerable amount of money. You're going to want that mag safe, sound, and on display. 
So it's always a challenge, but that's how I like to do my research. And I think it's nice to, you know, help other breakers out as well. You know, if there's a, maybe a spot that needs filling for a, a Merlin on release, to try and just top a cheap spot or whatever. So just my way of remaining relevant and trying to just give a little bit something back. I mean, I don't buy as many breaks, but that's how I like to do my research and, and keep it, you know, as part of the community. I know, perfect. I think the word challenges are definitely going to lead on to our next discussion point, which Harry's going to talk about, because I know there's definitely been some few challenges within the last few months. Yeah, Harry, I think obviously when you were first on the podcast, I think you were just about to start making it sort of like your full-time full-time job. Um, I think since then, you've probably hit a lot of uh, a lot of speed bumps in terms of yeah, European crisis, raw mail strikes, etc., yeah. etc. Et the list probably goes on. Um how many or what sort of big challenges have you had to face since you made it a, a full-time job with everything sort of going on in the world as we speak? I mean, running it full-time was really good fun, actually. I really felt like I could offer a, a, a better level of service, you know, because you know what it's like when you're at work and sort of your phone pings, but you don't want to be seen on your phone all the time. So I thought, you know, I could offer a better level of service. I could ship later in the day to get it to the customers quicker. But um, generally, with, you know, packs of top loads and sleeves, I only take, you know, a minute to chuck them in a box, put some paper in and take it up. But I found myself sort of doing it, but I didn't really need the full day to do it, if you know what I mean. So there was a part of me that thought, oh, maybe uh, I might have, you know, made a mistake trying to sort of run it full time because I like to be busy as well. I don't like to be sat sort of stagnant. And then, like we said earlier, with the changes that had happened, you know, so I did go full full time with it in March, and then we had you know um, conflict breaking out, which then led to a knock on of price rises. You know, people were starting to be scared of what their electricity bills are going to be, myself included. And I thought maybe uh, maybe I'll, I'll go back to keeping this as I first started it. You know, my evening and weekends, um, a side project that I can you know just be here. And relevant until you know I'm no longer required, you know. So as it stands, I do I do go back to work now. I work part time and uh, run this evenings and weekends. But see, yeah, you say you say you're sort of majority of the time working six days a week. So do you find it's a bit? It's actually you've got 155 different sort of different product lines. On average, I mean, how many orders do you sort of looking at? when you get home from work in the evening or in the mornings or on a weekend, but you'll have to sort of package up and, and ship out every day. Honestly, I wish I could give you an average of it. I mean, sometimes it's sky high. Sometimes it's, it's rock bottom. Um, you never really know, but I think that's kind of why I'm sort of happy that um, it is now just, you know, my bit on the side that I can run. I'll always find time to run it. It'll always be my priority is, you know, what I've built here. And looking after people so if, if i think i need extra time i'll make extra time if i have to get up earlier to sort it out or stay up later you know that's what i'll do like i say i, I love doing it i mean the challenges are frustrating you know as we sit here now the raw mouth strikes have just started so you know already you've got to find alternatives and things like that but um yeah I think probably one of the, maybe one of the biggest challenges I think you may you may have had to face, obviously, is with, in line with the current crisis, obviously having to change prices of, of sort of certain products and 
having to reprice the majority of potentially the website. Um, I think it's been pretty well received, just given on a service point of view. Because I mean, you know, anyone that that pops up on, on Instagram and thinks, "Oh, where can I buy X? Where can I buy Z?" And I think you know, the majority of the hobby would predominantly put your name forward as, as first choice. Um, would you say that obviously, given us a, a service point of view, that the prices haven't really affected trade or, or business to a, to a degree? No, no, they they haven't really at all. And to be fair, I um, the price rise I had to do was pence. That's always the, the the beauty of dealing in a packet of penny sleeves that you know cost ninety nine p each. I mean, they weren't one to go up, but should they? You it would literally be pence. So the blow isn't too bad. Um, I'm my concern now on the subject of pricing is um, next year because obviously, as we know, that, you know, the dollar's not performing to the pound at all. If we're, you know, trying to convert over, you know, anything made in China is paid for in us dollars. And, uh, you know, the minute that crash, the first thing I do is get on the phone to the suppliers to say, you know, how much stock have you got? And is the price going to remain the same? And some of the feedback I've had is, quite terrifying to be perfectly honest i'm hoping that you know things will stabilize and you know foreign markets will have more confidence in us but uh but yeah it's, it's just a, a bizarre way of having to work actually i mean I, I never thought that i'd get to a stage where i'm having to follow the news so much and follow currency and things like that i've never cared about it I, the only care, time i care about it is before I'm, I'm leaving gatwick to go on my holidays and i think oh i'll pre-book some, some currency whereas now like I've got to follow the financial news. I've got to follow, you know, domestic news to plan for strikes and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, the challenges now are, are the hardest they've ever been, that's for sure. Um, I know as I sit here now talking with you, it might all seem that I'm, I'm managing it well and calm, but honestly, like, every couple of weeks, I proper throw my toys out of the power and think, oh, you know, fuck this, you know, this is a waste of time. But I, just, I like it too much. It's something I'm so proud of that I really, really do you know, want to get to a stage where I say that, you know, I've managed to survive a financial crisis, a European crisis and a pandemic. That's quite a CV. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of them things where a lot of probably people are in the same boat where we started off during lockdown as like a little a little hobby thing when everyone was sat at home and it sort of continued since we've come out of the pandemic. It's become, as we were said, like a massive community to a, to a degree. So, um you say obviously you're worried sort of a bit towards sort of next year in terms of sort of the, the economy and things like that. Um, it's probably quite a broad question. Um, but I guess what are your sort of future plans, let's say, in the next six months to, to a year to, to two years? Where do you sort of see yourself? Where would you put yourself in those sort of um, timeframes? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't really like committing or forecasting anything too far in advance. I think mm. in, at this moment in time, it's quite difficult to do that as well. I do genuinely believe that a lot of businesses and, you know, just uh, as ordinary taxpayers are sort of just having to take it day by day, week by week. So I, I've got a lot on between now and the end of the year. I've got a lot of shows coming up, which I'm really excited about. Um, I love this time of year for the hobby as well. You know, nights draw in, it's cold. So you don't feel bad about being at home and, you know, you're watching a break on Twitch or YouTube, stuff like that, or, you know, just flexing some of your new pickups. It's a nice time of year. But for me, I'm, I know what I'm doing between now and Christmas. 
but I just think we need to see where everything gets to in that time and hopefully you know people have more confidence in what's going on yeah definitely I think just quickly on a little side subject you mentioned pickups <laughs> well, you know exactly what I'm going to say um we do sort of a little weekly a little weekly introduction where um me and Ronnie always vent about how we haven't made a single pickup in the last week um I've actually made a pickup and a half I'm going to call it um this this week but Harry have you actually made any uh any pickups or any sort of new PC editions in the in the last week yeah, there's a, you know, been a couple here and there. Um, I'm still trying to finish off certain sets, you know, like uh, the Brighton Obsidian set. Uh, Obsidian is one of you know my favourite products. It's a super premium product, and as now that my team feature in it, I'm always trying to pick up the Brighton cards. And um, a nice gentleman on Instagram very kindly sorted me out um, a Mick Schumacher also from the original F1 set, HJA cards or something is, 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 uh, that was a nice <laughs> yeah. pick up as well yeah I won't, I won't deal, deal with that HJA guy really <laughs> don't put my street to cred down come on guys <laughs> but, um, oh, like I said that's, I've said it before when HJA actually picked it up it was a fantastic card but and then let's see if it's actually one of us has made a pick up so I'm quite intrigued to hear this one now yeah, um, I mean, I say a pickup and a half. Um, the half of it is because I made a deal with some uh, F1 card collectors on Instagram for a Pierre Gasly sit and pose PSA 9 that I will be picking up at the London Card Show. So that's like my half, half pickup. And then um, my full pocket pickup this week was I was sat watching England, Germany, um, and even England, Italy, and I just sat for Jude Bellingham. What an absolute player. Like, Baller. he's different gravy. Um, and I when we were on with Gus last week, we were talking about the sort of the, the pictures that were in Club Chrome. So, yeah, I actually picked up a Jude Bellingham PSA 9, I think it is, um, Aqua Refractor to 199 from Club Chrome. So, it should have been arriving today, but, you know, Royal Mail had different ideas. So, I'll have to wait until Monday. But, um, yeah, those, I've actually made some pickups this week, which I'm quite. <laughs> Quite uh, quite new for me, but um, yeah. Ronnie, if you'll gather you're on the same boat, I not nothing this week. Nah, nothing this week. I had the Tierney and Wilshire autos last week, so I'm ho- I think I'm holding fire now to the London card show and seeing what I can do there. Got I'm already stacking up the pile for potential trades there, so it's going to be more of a interesting show. I'm going to say I'm going to try and pick up some nice bits there, maybe trade, see what I can get. I think it's going to be an interesting show, so I think there'll be a lot more trading. But perfect segment, actually, to talk about is shows. And obviously, the London Card Show is a two-dayer, and there's other shows going on. So are you attending any of the upcoming shows? Because we, we normally laugh and joke in the summer that it's show season, but it really comes around every three months. So it's show season again. So are you attending any of the shows? I will be, yeah. I'll um, vendor spots for... Uh, Haydock Racecourse, uh, London Sunday only, and um, got the the home debut for me being a Sussex boy. We've got the South East Card Show at Brighton Racecourse, so I'm looking forward to that one as well. So, uh, it's a nice run in actually to the end of the season. So you're basically you're heading to all the racecourses, but lucky enough there's no racing, or, or unlucky enough there's no race. But I'm going before talking about going all the way up north or into London. Isn't it nice to have one in your own region of the country for a change? Oh, that will that will be nice to be fair. I mean, the London one isn't too far from me, 
Um, it's ironic actually because I do quite enjoy, you know, the, the further out places because obviously you know you're gonna book a hotel and probably have a decent night out at the end of it as well. So I'm looking forward to a weekend on Merseyside. They're a long time since I've been up there, and I'm just looking forward as well to meeting a lot of the faces. Um, you know, you always see the same names, but geographically you're a little bit too far away to actually meet each other and shake hands. So I'm looking forward to getting up north again and meeting a lot of people from from that area. So obviously it's you've got 155 different products and unless you've probably bought half of one of the halls, you won't be able to get all your stuff and hired pretty much a HGV to get there. So are you taking like a selection of a bit of everything or is it more like the high fair sellers you're going to be taking with you? I'll take a selection of best sellers, you know, things that are bread and butter that people often need. You'll often find that people like to pick up a bit of sealed product you know, for the evening or, you know, to break when they get home, so they might need, you know, a pack of top loaders or whatever. Um, and then what I tend to do is about a week out, I'll open like a click and collect window. So anything you see or need, pre-order it. You don't have to order it or pay for it. You can you know, just send me a message and ask me for a price. We'll try and look after people at the shows as well, you know, not 10, 15% off here and where I can, just, you know, to compensate for the postage I save. And you can sort of pick up what you need on the day. But, yeah, the click and collect window opens about a week before. Um, we'll box it all up, bring it for you so you're guaranteed to get it on the day. It'll be under the table with your name on it. It's always quite a good scheme that I've run and people are quite receptive to it because the last thing I want to do is lug copious amounts of cardboard up there on my, on my dashboard and across my lap like I did for the last London show. I was about so, to say, is that from uh, past experience? Yeah, honestly, God. Honestly, when you when you're in the car park as well, and you see um, you know lads there that have got a car, they pop the boot open. And there's a couple of sealed hobby boxes there and blasters for their store. And I think I'm in the wrong game here. Why on earth am I lugging up a quarter ton of you know single use plastics and uh, they've got a, you know a couple of Merlin blasters they picked up from game? I think ah, oh, honestly. Uh, no, I think like I say can I. I think we should. I think you should get a camera in your car when you're just packing it. Because I think it's going to be like a real life game of Tetris. I think it could be actually quite entertaining to yeah. watch. But That's very true. So, you for example, do you normally see like a trend after a show that people have obviously spoke to you at the shows or seen product that they need, and then you actually get quite a few people ordering? So it's like the weeks after the show as well, quite a big week as well as the actual day of the show itself. Yeah, they do typically tend to be quite busy. Um, I think as well because. There's only so much you can market yourself on social media platforms without throwing loads of money at it. You know, you can pay for promoted posts and stuff like that. But when you've got so much availability, it's very hard to post things that appeal to everybody. You know, you might post about like new cardboard um, storage houses that I'm working on at the moment, you know, and that'll only appeal to certain people. So it's really nice for me to be able to be there and people just ask, like, do you do that? And if I do, it helps them. And if it doesn't, then it, I learn from it, which is the biggest thing, because I never would have brought, you know, the ticket supplies in had people not said, like, oh, I've got, you know, I'd really like to do this. So the shows are really good for that because you don't, you can just run over and ask a question, you know, it's, I'll be there, there all day and I'm always happy to help. And it's good for me and my knowledge. And it's good for, you know, people that are there that can see, touch, feel and ask questions as well. I was going to say, do you find you sort of sorry, Ronnie? Do you find you sort of learn 
so much more from card shows where you're speaking to people in person as opposed to sort of getting the old random Instagram DM or sort of questions through through Instagram. Do you find you sort of learn a lot more at the card shows as well? Yeah, absolutely. Because people can be sort of more descriptive and, you know, if they've got things on them that they say, like, I've got this. And, uh, you know, sometimes people come along with, um, you know, like uh, the original trading cards, you get out of cigarette packets that are a very, you know, odd shape. And being that they're 80 years old, they're often, you know, a bit battered as well. And they sort of show it and say, well, you know, what would you recommend for this? Or, you know, a lot of people as well that have had nice cards that they've picked up in breaks that they're not sure about sizing, you know, is it a 55-point mag or a 75-point mag? Bring it along and, you know, you can get magged up there and there and you know you're safe. It's always a good opportunity. A lot of people, I do find, will come over and say, I've I've had this for a while and I want to look after it properly. Can you help me? I was going to say, so many, you touched on it before, there's so many different types of cards now, sizes, shapes, like new, old, that there's so much out there that people don't know about until I think the other day I was literally just looking through your site and it's just like well that's actually quite a clever idea because like you said it's 155 different things so no one's going to know everything what's out there especially your general collector who's just got your 35 points your 100 points you just be like oh that's about it but my next question is with Northwest and London being one week apart it's obviously going to be very draining and busy for you obviously great as well to be out there but are you are you planning to have a nice little break after like this that week or so? Because I know that it's going to be a very hectic one for you, up and down the country and everything. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that I'll um, maybe have a long weekend to put my feet up after them. But I mean, there's just something about these shows, like the buzz on the day. It, it it's always brilliant. Like every time I do the London, I mean, by the time I finish setting up, the doors open, and it's you know non-stop until doors close you think where's that day gone so it's a really good buzz I love doing the shows actually I was always a bit apprehensive about doing them at first because I was all a bit nervous you know and uh, you know didn't know if you know that would be sort of a, you know a place for me or if I had what people would would need and want on the day but ever since um, you know shout out to Harry because he convinced me to do the London one as my first one when he was still at the old leisure centre and that was brilliant, and it's become a bit of a bug for me ever since. So even if I can't go as a a vendor, I quite like going as a visitor now. Again, just meeting people, shaking hands. I've strongly urge anybody to get to them, and I don't think anybody because I've had mates of mine that I try and drag along with me, and they'll sort of say like, you know, I haven't, I haven't really got that much money at the moment, which is, and I say it's fair enough, but you don't need copious amounts of money to go there. I mean, there's a the young lad at the London last time, Maxi, I'm sure a lot of you know him, top kid. And uh, he only came with 40 quid, but he had a little you know, joke about it to say, you know, on his TikTok, like, what can you get for 40 quid at the London card show? I think you don't need, if you've got 40 quid or 40,000, you'll have a nice day out there. You know, don't stress about whether it's not your scene or anything like that, because if you don't go, you will regret it. I, I would highly regret it now, knowing what I know if I hadn't have done it. A hundred percent. I think you no. Know, what makes the shows is obviously everyone's going there to look at cards, potentially pick them up, sell, trade away. But it's the people there, and I, I, we normally laugh and joke, but normally the best memories not the ones made actually at the show. It's where in between trade, like last time, in before trade night and the actual show, you everyone went to the pub and was just chatting there, sitting, talking, talking cards, talking, and there. That's where you build the relationship with people, and then 
next time you go, like next show, literally in a month's time, you then be at that show. Oh, you're right, mate. And then you start. So no doubt, as I say to everyone, just have plenty of fluids because you talk so much at these that's shows. Right. And that's what's the great thing is. It's like you say is the amount of people that you've seen probably have a load of customs for you. You've never met before. Like literally as we're speaking here, I've still never met you. I've been all no, this time, never no. met you. And sadly the London show, we're at the Saturday and you're at the Sunday. So yeah, that's it. no doubt Typical. we're at here. It's just like the Southeast Ghost one is no doubt the one that we're going to try and get to. But do you ever find that you've spoken to someone at a show and you've not actually realised who they are until like you've obviously then said your names? Because we've done it plenty of times before where you start talking to someone and they'll be like, oh, I'm this person or this username. You're like, oh, I speak to you all the time. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like people will introduce themselves all the time and I always think, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask him, what's your Instagram handle? So he might, you know, introduce yourself, you know, I'm... Um, Joe, you know, spoken a few times. Oh, hello, Joe. Um, what Instagram handle? Oh, Bellingham underscore collector underscore you. Oh, hello, Joe. How's things? Yeah. Nice to finally meet you. It's, uh, again, I just think that's part of the day out. It's, it's just a good laugh. Nah, it's like it. Harry. It's like when, when I met you at the London Card Show the first time, wasn't it? I was walking through the car park and I saw your t shirt and I was like, is that who I think it is? And it was yeah, like, oh, I'm HGA Cards. You're like, oh, God, yeah. Like every day we've spoken for the last like two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, it's all part of the fun, man. Honestly, nobody ever looks like you expect them to as well. I mean, I look like I've got the hairline of a 40-year-old. <laughs> but... And it's always ironic for me as well. Because I think um, one of the first ones I did, I met um, Alex from the Kardashians. And uh, I don't know if you've ever met Alex. You know, he's got he's, you know, he's a big bloke, you know, tall and uh, you know, built well. And uh, I met him and introduced myself as Big H when he absolutely towered over me. And the first thing he said to me was, so why is it you're called Big H then? I was like, oh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Rebrand coming. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Small H. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, like we say, these shows are fantastic. And there's so many now popping up, Like especially within the UK itself. We've had Glasgow, which is now Edinburgh for next year. We've had Cardiff. We've, Manchester's popping up. So is there any that, obviously... Everyone really wants to do every single one, but it's very tricky to get to all of them. So is there any places, like obviously even European included, that you're thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind actually, not just as a vendor, but also as a collector, you think, oh, I actually want to try and get to that one? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything outside of the UK, I'd only ever be able to do as a visitor. It, it just wouldn't be um, possible. Well, I mean, it would be possible, but I mean, I'd, if, if I was doing Germany, you know, I'd have to drive it over there and, and things like that. And I'd, I don't really want to do that because I think that might end up taking a bit of the fun out of it, especially when I don't really ship internationally. I mean, I can do on special requests, but it's just it's so expensive. So it kind of be a bit of a lost cause as a vendor perspective. But yeah, as a visitor, I mean, the national I'd absolutely love to do. Again, like I see some of the deals that go down there and I just want to go and spectate and just see these, you know, $25 million Mickey Mantles and things like that. I, you know i'd like to do that for sure but yeah i mean there's definitely some scope here in the uk i reckon maybe something down you know um cornwall way you don't see much in that area obviously it's a bit of a nightmare to get to but the thing is you know the hobby's so big now that you have got collectors in every city in you know every county you could set one up near enough anywhere and i'm sure you get a pretty good response i think the only issue now perhaps is the timings of them 
because like you said, we've got a Northwest and the London on back-to-back weekends. But not that that's a problem at all, because if you're from the Northwest, you'll naturally go to that one, probably over the London. If you're from the London area, you'll do that one first. But yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of availability there. A Newcastle one would be sick. Weekend on time side always hits. Not just for night out, Harry, no? I mean, I would go there with the intention of the night out as the priority <laughs> and the show's a both now. That's what I'm saying. It's great, especially, like you say, that depending on the location, you get different people because it's, it's especially it's not cheap to travel either anymore. That no. you're, look, you're looking at travelling up to Norway. Like, I was looking at that one and I was looking at the trains and I, the trains have always been expensive, but especially now, unless you get them on a special deal, you're... You're talking like one fifty, maybe returning. Just then you're like, oh, then you think about driving, and it's a long drive. So yeah. we definitely let you have the long drive in your car with all your cardboard. Like no doubt that's gonna be fun. Yeah, but that's it. In terms of, like, is there anything as well that you've seen at shows that you've always been like, or you've had ideas about for the UK hobby, like just in general that you can see coming in? Like for us, we was talking with Gus last week, which was a if anyone I haven't heard it, I would definitely recommend it. So it was a fantastic. He was talking about trading. Do you think that could be something that trade nights maybe could come more important, like popping up around the country as well? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I was unfortunately I didn't attend the last London one where they had the sort of debut of the trade night, but I heard from a lot of people that it was quite good, and I saw a lot of people saying like, just pick this up on a trade, and I think as well now if you are perhaps a little bit more cautious with your money because you know your bills have gone up or whatever maybe you know trade nights could be the the new thing you know you've got you want something but you don't want to part with any money for it so you bring your sort of inventory along and you, you never know what will appeal to anyone you might think oh i don't know if i should bring this or not nobody will want it and you know sod's law there'll be somebody there that pcs that random player from like sheffield united who will write your arm off for it it's a good way to have a chat and laugh as well so no i do like the trade nights i need to get myself to one for sure um. Yeah, I, I definitely think that'll take off for sure. Yeah, I remember last time we spoke was regarding your PC, and obviously your main focus, obviously your Brighton cards, F one, and Pokemon. Yeah. So it's been seven months. So it's we, whereas we talk every week about our collections. Obviously, you said that you picked up uh, some dodgy geezer called HJA uh, cards <laughs> from Schumacher. But is there anything that you're really working towards at the moment? Because I know you do like a set completion. I definitely, we definitely see the updates on your Instagram regarding Obsidian. So, like, what like in general does last seven months look like collecting for you? Is it mainly like set building of certain things, or is it picking up little bits here and there? Yeah, it's it's picking up little bits with the intention of set completing. I mean, I, I like we were saying before we came on earlier about the original, you know, F1 Chrome set. You know, I've nearly finished that. I could have finished it ages ago, but I quite like the, um, it's about the, was it they say? It's the journey, the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Like I like the uh, process of acquisition. So um, same with like my original 1999 Pokemon set. I'm absolutely, you know, convinced in my mind that I'll go for the full 102 card base set. I'll probably never get there because the loot is pretty expensive, but it's just that fun of, you know, haggling over, right, I need that one. I haven't got that one. So, you know, pick it up so i'm not picking up a tremendous amount at all but just slowly chipping away uh still the brighton set new obsidian new impeccable original pokemon and a few f1 here and there the question i've got all right so it's it, obviously the obsidian i i'm personally a massive fan of obsidian but it gets this like 
bit of a love-hate relationship within the hobby. Like people either love it or hate it. Obviously, some people don't mind it, but within the cards, have you got an actual favourite Obsidian Brighton card? Is there a certain one that you'd be like, this is the one I prefer more than the others? Or is it like everyone always says you can't really choose between your babies and you, it's a bit rude to say that's my favourite one? Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a difficult question, that is, because... Even some of the cards I've got in there, there's nice cards and there's also cards that are, you know, relatively standard. You might pick them up for 20 quid or something. You know, supporting Brighton comes with its benefits because it's not an expensive team to follow and, and pick their cards up. But for a lot of mine, like, I can I can go to the, you know, my um, storage box and get them out. I could pick it up and it'll be a nice card. But I think, oh, you know, my friends pulled me that in that break I was in, you know, when it first came out. So they, come, they all come with a bit of a memory. So I don't typically sell any of the ones that I, I pick up unless they're duplicates to, you know, help other people out. But, I mean, the Contras for me in the Obsidian, they are they are beautiful. Now that, you've got a clean white background, so any sort of kit that you've got on it always sort of pops off. We've got the blue and white. You know, if you're Leeds, you're then white on white. You know, if you're Arsenal, you've got this red and white popping off of it. They are stunners, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame that the case price got so high on them and, and so popular. It's always the way because it's a stunning product. I'd like to see it, sort of, you know, breaking more, but you know, anything that's popular, it only goes one way. Oh, definitely. Obsidian's definitely the one that, even when they brought out the team, all that went up in price because it is a lovely yeah. product, especially when now you've got the blue floods, green floods, red floods, and every other flood in between. So. I know with NFL, they have eight flood colours. So no doubt next year there's going to be even more. But is there any cards you're looking at picking up? Or it's a bit of a shame, not a shame, but obviously at the card show would be very handy for you because people might have the cards that you want. So, And obviously being at the vendor table, it might be hard to get away. So is there anything that you're currently looking at that someone listening might potentially have tucked the way that you might be able to get a deal for? Yeah, I think my priority is definitely the Obsidian Brighton sets, preferably. You know, any, it doesn't matter which player... If it's low enough numbers. I mean, fortunately, I've been in enough breaks and bought enough cards now to have, you know, finished like all the golds to 10. I've got all of them from for every player and stuff like that. So, uh, but no, honestly, anything that sort of crops up, you know, if you've got it in your inventory, bring it along. And uh, But even if you don't think I'd be interested, if you think, oh, I've got this, you know, Brighton card from whatever, bring it along. Because, I mean, even at the last card show, I mean, I'm really strict with my PC. So for Brighton, it's impeccable and obsidian. And like, I can show you boys on the camera, but that's um, uh, a first off the line, pink wave rated rookie, Alexis McAllister. I've, I've never collected Chronicles. And the lad brought it over and he said, I know you're a Brighton fan. Don't suppose you fancy taking that off me. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> it's stunning. Yeah. yeah. Even I've got a few Brighton cards in my PC of old Ben White. So like I say, like, so many people might just have a card tucked away, especially how the hobby scenes it like if it's not one of your top four or five teams retrospectively that they might be like oh no one really wants it but like you said there's every team's got collectors out there and no doubt i would love to be in a position where i could say arsenal cards were the same price as brighton because that would be lovely like yeah but there would there's none at the expensive price so god knows what kind of barren spell there would be for me and old harry over there with if their arsenal cards were cheap but is have you have you, obviously, everyone's noticing that there's a big trend in the hobby now that people just haven't got the money. So is, do you think it's natural now that... Do you think it's going to start picking up? Or, or the other one is, are you looking forward to the World Cup stuff starting to come out? Or is it because it's in international kits, you're a bit like, well, it's not bright, so I'm going to hold off until Prism or 
obviously impeccable in Obsidian. Yeah, I mean, I think the World Cup will, will be really helpful for it. The good thing about a World Cup is that you always get these breakout stars, you know, every World Cup. You know, I remember watching Brazil and James Rodriguez had never been heard of. And, you know, I imagine if we got a, a similar breakout star like that, this World Cup, you know, you might have had a numbered one of him sat to one side and thinking it's probably not worth much. And then you get these breakout stars that go on to do everything and, and you know, take the tournament by storm. I think the World Cup will be really good, actually, as a hobby. I'm a bit conflicted with the World Cup overall because um, I like that, obviously, everyone loves the World Cup. I mean, it's going to be harder for us following England because we'll be home in about three weeks at this rate. But, you know, the World Cup's always good to follow. But for me, you know, having it at this time of year, I think it's bad for a World Cup, but I think it could be quite good for the hobby because naturally, I don't know about people listening and yourselves but this time of year for me I love it because the night's drawing it's cold and I quite like being at home just going through my cards and you know searching every you know ebay.com.uk.ae.whatever you know trying to sort of find these things so my focus sort of shifts so I do think that the World Cup will be good in that respect but um, the fact that it's at this time of year and in Qatar I'm a bit conflicted about you know I've got friends that follow England home and away and you're going to make the trip trip out there for a dry stadium which you know, might have an impact on the atmosphere I don't know Biblically it's going to be a different a different sort of a vibe I mean obviously with the Euros we're at the pub every game like yeah, sun's it. out till 10 o'clock at night and it was the sun was shining so I think it's definitely going to be a different vibe because you'll be have people in the pubs in what puffer jackets scarves hats and trying to keep warm but um yeah, I think it would definitely be a, a different vibe this year having the World Cup so late on in the year. But, you know, as you said, with the way England are playing at the moment, I don't know how long it will last us being in the competition. But um got to be optimistic in, to some degree, haven't you? No, that's it. But, I mean, the World Cup always throws up things. I'll try and watch every game if I'm about to because you could watch the most random game and it'll always be a cracker. You might think, like, Iran-Argentina, that would be awful. And it'll end up being like, you know, a 3-2 of a messy 95th minute free kick you think that, that was that, you know that was a blinder oh, definitely I think that's the good thing about well and no doubt when World Cup Prism comes along and that's just going to be mental especially the print run we're, we're all just waiting for that checklist just to be like right we know who to go after um, but the last question I actually had for you and it's obviously true but out of all the Brighton players, is there anyone that hasn't really had any cards yet that you would actually think, oh, I really hope they're in like the next impeccable obsidian? For like you know, Arsenal, for me, it's always Shaka. I want Shaka to be in everything, but he's not always in there. So is there any Brighton players that you thought, oh, I wish they've had some more product to be able to buy of? It, it is more, rather than the players, I'd like just some more autos, to be honest. Um, we've got the earlier ones, you know, like a Tarek Lamptey and Danny Welbeck and Adam Webster's on everything. Any box you open, you're going to get some sort of Adam Webster auto in there. But like, for, for me, some of the pinnacle players that are now sort of in the news, like your Trossards and Alexis McAllister, I know he has got autos, but they're redemptions. And if anybody's got redemptions outstanding at the moment for low-end cards, you understand how painful that is. But I would like to see, yeah, some more, some more Brighton autos um, we've got some upcoming stars as well. Moises Caicedo as well. I'd love to see a rookie card of his hit the stage. I'll be all over that. Yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking. Everyone always lives in hope of that next set and the checklist coming out and actually being like, I actually do want to collect half of this. But that's what I say. It's, it's a shame because you see, like for us, we're very fortunate being asked collectors that we've got about 
487 autos in every product and it might be dual triple autos whereas then you look at like team i think bright i've looked at bright before and it's always like you say it's always the same players and I, I, we've always said it'd be great to have a fan on board at panini just to look because there'd be some players yeah, that, that would panini, be awesome. panini have never heard of that would be such a great auto or great card to have so is there any like sets in particular obviously you you say impeccable and obsidian, the ones you go to collect. Is there any that you stay clear of? Um, yeah, this year, honestly, the new prism for me, the Panini Premier League prism, um, my, just my opinion on it. But that first set we had, so not the current one, the year before, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought it was priced really well. I thought the potential return was good. Like you'd open a hobby box. You, you get your cracked ice, you get your auto and you get, you know, some nice cool looking inserts. You get your red mojos to one, three, five. And uh, I can't remember what the max print one was. I want to say one, nine, nine, one, nine, five. Yeah, one, one, nine, nine. Yeah. And now it was three, four, nine was the biggest yeah. print run. Now I do get it from the point of view that as a hobby grows, naturally you're going to need to produce more boxes and therefore number things a bit more premium. But, um, I just thought, yeah, for me, it's hard because obviously you were used to getting X from a box and then you were getting Y and the price of the box was still about the same. Um, so, yeah, for me, I fell out of love with Prism quite quickly. Um, other things, you always get your winning ones. I thought Chronicles is always good whenever in Chronicles out and some of the potential returns are brilliant. I mean, for me, just my favourite ones are the ones that are sort of, price well, have good potential and you're not too upset if nothing comes out of it because that's the problem with your, you know, your higher end sets. But, you know, you, they have to produce higher end sets because no matter what, that market is there. You know, the PSG Chrome set went on sale, £10,000 £10, a box. Crazy. I'd never be able to afford that. I'd never pay that money. But there are there is that clientele out there. So you've, you've appealed now to them and, the, you know, the ultra premium collectors that you know really want to roll the dice on it so i do like what they're doing i do think there's something for everyone but for me personally yeah i try and sort of go around the sort of the mid-range to premium tier yeah just moving away from obviously what we call football but the industry called soccer and i know both of harry's and myself will have a sound this but the difference between the 2020-21 F1 and what we hope for 2022. So this is like the last talking point. So how'd you come to you, HA, first? Um, it's so much easier just to call people by their blooming tags on this episode. But how much difference is there between 21 and 20, especially F1? Because we talked about this briefly before, and it's just something about 20 that obviously being debut set, but just cleaner cards. Yeah, I think, you know, we were saying so before before we start recording, you know, you've got that first year rookie for the likes of George Russell, Lando Norris. You've got that more appeal where they've got that RC logo on there. Um, as I like said, the, the rookie year for F1 Chrome. And in my opinion, I think the inserts are quite like track tags for me will be hard to top. Like track tags, I think, are unbelievable inserts in, in the F1, F1 set and you know, like we said before, I think I'm like six cards away from completing the, the base Chrome set. And it's one of those sets that will always be sought after. Like we said, first year Chrome, first year F1. And I think what they tried to do with 2021, which again might be unpopular with people that are listening or amongst the hobby, but they tried to throw so many inserts into 2021 that it just sort of flooded it all out. And 
there were so many different variations, different parallels, and it almost seemed impossible to try and like get a rainbow. You know, if you pull the one of one and you've got like, you know, the five, six different variations, different parallels that you need to pull, all you to try and ascertain, it was simple, but we've got to try and get the the black and white ray, ray wave, the checkered, then this, then that. And it's like there's so many different routes to try and get a complete set. Whereas I think with 2020, it was so made, so sort of streamlined that it was very easy to get from A to B. Um, and like I said, I mean, I picked up a few 2021 and I've got a Gasly orange wave refractor to 75. And there's so many sort of nice cards in 21, like I said to, to us earlier, the Hamilton Ferris wheel, you know, such a nice card. But for me, I, it will take a lot to top 2020 Chrome with the track tags and the sort of the minimal inserts as opposed to 21, where they've almost tried to sort of flood it all out. But yeah, I don't, actually, Harry, I don't know what, what your opinion is on uh, Funnel House. We're all F1 fans. So, um, yes, yeah, so you have the same opinion or are you sort of quite for Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better, H, to be honest. I was, um, yeah, I was of the exact same opinion. I just think, I think what, you know, the thought process was, because obviously the 1920 was like a, an F1 debut set. So I think that they thought, look, let's just keep it clean, keep it simple and use it to gauge the market interest which clearly was, was phenomenal. I mean, those boxes that used to cost £349, about 2,000 quid now, you know, that, and it was a stunning product. And like I said, it was, it was clean, it was simple. Your insert, you know, and your number cards, you know, it was either purple, it was aqua, it was gold. Um, and it just it just looked right. And I know we, we spoke about it earlier, but like um, being a debut set as well, it had, a, if you collect F1, you'll know, but there was like a laminating issue on the back where you ended up getting a bit of a spot, especially on numbered cards, which almost wrote off getting um, a PSA 10. Now, ordinarily, you know, you submit your cards to PSA wanting a 10 or a 9, but with the original F1 set, you send it off and it comes back as an 8, as most do, or a lot of 7s as well. And you're pretty happy with that as well. I mean, I know I've been quite happy with how mine have graded and like the one you sold me as well, Harry. Like, you know, to get a PSA 8 in that set was, you know, really good going. And then you appreciate the people that were lucky enough to get the 10s on a numbered insert and send it off the gold in to go for, for crazy money. But yeah, overall, I couldn't agree more with you. I was, um, I was unfortunately disappointed with the new set. I just thought the, um, I thought the images that they used for a lot of, a lot of the cards in the set. I just think they could have done them, done them a bit better. No, yeah. I, I, the one thing I've been hoping for is uh, in the first Chrome, one of my favourite parts of the set were the logos. And I thought, oh, that's done really well. So what could it do? And then I was looking at my collection, you know, Dan, I looked at my Emirates Stadium prism. I was thinking, how nice would it be if they done like ones to do with tracks? So like certain corners. Yeah. So like imagine like a picture of Monza's first corner of the cars going around it or parts of the Monaco, the tight chicanes. Or like there's so many corners that are legendary in F1 that or just even just the overall track, like having Interlagos card or like it's got Singapore this weekend. So like picture obviously it being at night with all the lights in the cars going. Just think a bit different. Like it doesn't always have to be a certain driver or a principle like have like the tracks as well because the tracks are as important as the cars there's no tracks there's nothing to drive on and especially match having castle corner from baku like there's different bits like that could be really interesting to see i probably might be the only one who actually be intrigued to see that but it's just I having... think you're under something there you know because a lot you know a lot of these tracks have a lot of history dedicated to them so you could 
you know, pick up X and like a Canadian Grand Prix and be like, well, you know, a lot of, you know, drivers, you know, won this on their debut, for example, and things like that. It comes with a bit of history tied to it. And then it gives potential for more history to be tied to it. I mean, Max Verstappen can win the championship on Sunday in Singapore. You know, if you had, you know, a numbered Singapore track tag from this year, they'd have a bit of, you know, a bit of clout associated to it. It's just my, my opinion on it. But, you know, I like things like that. I like things that, you know, you can associate things to and sort of give it a bit more even if it's just personal value rather than financial value but i like that idea yeah i think that's what everyone loves about tops now really as well is that it captures the moment or a piece of history tied to an event and it doesn't even have to be a significant one in terms of a championship or a, a debut drive but just if someone gets drives well and then they get the card and then see the actual like, for example, the special liveries. I remember they done a Lando Norris Tops Now when they had the special golf livery at Monaco. Just stuff like that where it captures the moment. But it'd be quite intriguing to see, obviously, F1 paper comes out first. So we probably won't mention anything about that because, yeah, that's not really the nicest of sets going and not the most desirable. But it'll give us an idea of what's coming for Chrome. So hopefully it'll be not too long until that's released. Because I know it's been pushed back a couple of times. And by the time it comes out, it's pretty much the end of the season. So it's always a bit of a shame that it's not during the season. But like we say, it's it's going to be very interesting, especially for F1, but in terms of the hobby. And no doubt that obviously it's been seven months and a week since you was last on the podcast. So really, who knows what's going to happen within the next seven months. And hopefully it's not as long as seven months. And obviously, you know that you're always welcome to come back on and, especially after you've done a few shows, you might even get you on just to discuss how they went and how you see them going forward. Yeah, of course, yeah. Maybe a, a year in review come, uh, come December, something like that. Yeah. Uh, see, look, he's even writing his script for his next time he comes on. So we're out letting him handle... We was actually at one point just going to let him talk for the whole episode on different raw mouth strikes and all of that. But Yeah, you, and... you can take a night off, Ron. I'll, uh, I've got this in there. Ah, oh, perfect. See, this is perfect. Like, I'm going to book a week off now, go and stare at my cars for a week. But no, as we say, um, Big H, as I'm going to be referring to it, I'm going to just call everyone by their usernames now. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you back on. And like we say, we wish you all the best with the upcoming shows in the business and no doubt. So obviously, it's a show we won't be seeing you at London, but hopefully the South East Coast one will be the one where we find it. But as I say, good luck with everything in the future and no doubt that we'll be talking in the near future and also probably buying some more mags there's no doubt my case needs some more mags anyway uh, i appreciate you having me on as always it's good to catch up it's good to uh sort of review everything that's changed obviously congratulations on the podcast making it this far never in doubt and uh, i'm sure you'll both continue to grow thank you very much and the last thing from me is just how if people anyone's listening to this who don't know where to find you what is the best places on social media or websites to get your supplies and also get in contact with you? To be honest, Instagram is always number one. It's the only platform I actually know how to use. Um, other than that, there is the website, Um, You can always email me. I've always got the phone on me and uh, the computer's on all day. So I'm always happy to help. And even if you think it might be a daft question, if you think it might be a you know, something that I don't want to answer. There's no such thing. So I'm always here to help. I always learn from people asking me questions. And that's what makes, you know, me grow and improve myself is, you know, people communicating and asking questions. So anything anybody ever needs, let us know. Um, hopefully a few of you listening will be at the upcoming shows. Come and introduce yourself, have a chat. Absolutely fantastic. Like you say, 
uh, in the post on the Instagram, your social will be linked anyway there. So go below, drop a follow and get all the supplies needed. But it's been another great episode from me, Harry and Harry. So I'm the odd one out on this episode. I might just rename myself Harry for the sake of the trading card scene in the UK. But like I say, everyone stay safe out there. Um, no doubt it's going to be another very interesting week within the hobby and we will be back with you next Tuesday for another episode of the Top Loaded Podcast but as we always say at the Top Loaded Podcast happy hobbying and good night